Hey, nerds and dorks, welcome back. We're the Hype Benders. I'm Sean. I'm Dan. I'm Pete. And I'm Josh. Now let's get started with book one, chapters seven through nine, The Spirit World, Winter Solstice Part One, first episode we're doing, then Avatar Roker, Winter Solstice Part Two, first two-parter, right guys? Yeah. And then The Waterbending Scroll, the theft episode. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> um, I have my notes here. I have notes. All right. All right. Note. Let's... I have tons of notes this week. I, I have none i have meme watch let's start with the meme watch start with the meme watch it's where spoilers with meme watch yeah i have nothing on meme watch yeah okay so the only meme watch i had for episode seven is i'm pretty sure i've seen a a a screenshot of that like fight at the end where where iroh is naked and has the chains out and he's like with uh zoku or zuko zuko yeah zuko zuko yeah that's dragon ball the only meme watch i have for any of them is the cabbage guy came back yeah i was yeah yeah. no i was right i I said he was going to be in every city they go i was so happy to cabbage guy but yeah that that uncle iroh fighting naked gave me big your daddy yelling at us as kids vibe (laughs) 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 that comes down as chains around his i'll destroy you all (laughs) Our dad is not nearly as chill as Uncle Iroh, though. No. I really love that quote. Uh, like, you're outnumbered, and he's like, no, you're clearly outmatched. Like, oh, that was the best that part. Was, that, that was, was pretty badass. cool. Like, I, I, was really, I was really happy that Zuko went back. I mean, I kind of I had a feeling he was going to go back for his uncle, but they did kind of tease that moment of, like, what's he going to do? And I'm like... Oh, wait. I have, right I have two meme watch for this uh, episode. Oh, what's okay. the other one? Episode. Because there's another one, because there's a mention, I think our first mention of Ba Sing Se, which yes. is, mm, that's true. is that 1984 reference that I keep seeing on the internet. Yes. There's but, no war there. I almost saw spoilers this week, and I just immediately just started like throwing my phone away from me. See, I'm not seeing spoilers. I'm still seeing everyone just making allusions to like modern day times with the show and. I don't know. I feel like it's not saying much about episode plot points or anything. I I want to get it I'll get it started and say that I think the two-parter was the strongest plot line episode story. Like that was the first time I really honestly felt going to piss off a lot of our friends here. That's the first time I felt like I kind of understand why everyone is so psyched about this show. Cuz a lot of the rest of it I've just been like it's a decent show but it's not worthy of like the hype honestly, but those two episodes I thought were really lot stronger yeah. than everything else i thought like seven was honestly kind of weak i mean like i liked parts of it but like overall i was like i i don't care um the i i i liked the fights but like did they happen in seven or eight like i can't remember like i i know i loved number eight but like well that's it i think seven alone yeah probably not so amazing but i think i when it was all said and done i liked how seven set up eight i cared about his whole vision and what does that mean and what's it he gonna have to do with this temple and at first i was like oh when are we gonna come back to this temple it's probably gonna be a while and then i remembered it's a two-parter they'll probably come to the temple in the next episode and then once they went to the temple i think everything's super picked up plus i think uh that fight with uh zuko and iroh at the end of seven which that was seven that was one of the best fights we've seen yet so i really dug that fight of like you know for all of zuko's Hmm. shortcomings and Clearly, again, I think the whole thing with Iroh being super chill and him staying with Zuko is a very big setup that he's doing that on purpose. But seeing them fight together was just very natural and cool to watch. Oh, I was going to say, did anyone notice Zuko broke a chain just with a yes. kick? Like, that was kind of crazy. Like an axe kick. I, didn't, awesome. yeah. I didn't know we were going to get to that level. I actually really liked uh, episode seven. I know there's like 
a lot of information they threw at us. I like, have a lot of notes like, for seven, oh, sure. Right. It almost took us all the way back to you know the first three episodes where they're just throwing all the lore at us. We had all this lore thrown at us, and I, I did kind of like that side story or subplot, I guess you would say, with the the spirit monster. That was kind of like a whole. I like that thing. You know, thing beginning of the the episode put like the you know the little bit of a plot that kind of you come back to in the in the end with the the acorn and it was like yeah. a story within a story almost i also kind of saw that coming because that was uh, once again very miyazaki uh yeah. as yeah. soon as we saw because yeah, when yeah. i when he oh, was yeah. at the little like bear temple i kind of called the whole thing i was like oh this is going to be like the boars in mononoke yeah. mononoke yep and then as soon as they like showed the spirit of the bear i was like yeah uh, Friggin called that one. And, yeah, I think we all did. I mean, I I like these callbacks. It's like if you're gonna, I was going more uh, Nausicaa, but you know, I guess that it, it all still pans out. Well, Nausicaa and Mononoke, I think, are pretty similar in theme. Yeah, as well, because it's all about healing the you know yeah. nature. And I, I mean, he does that a lot, but yeah, it that's definitely like there's a lot of Miyazaki uh, inspiration, I and I think that's a big deal. And it's it, worth noting that since this came out in 2001. Miyazaki wasn't as pervasive as he is now, so I think it was yeah, a bit was... more of like a bigger deal mm-hmm. and a bit more. It was a deeper cut. Yeah, to be like we're hearkening back to this guy. Yeah. Than now, I just think that like the the thing that held me about episode seven wasn't like the story, um, you know, because I felt like like oh the Avatar here we're getting like the angsty teen stuff, you know, like we're getting Ang, you know, uh, basically having uh, an ex existential crisis um with like i don't know how to avatar i'm supposed to be avatar and here let me just yell at the spirit because that maybe that's that'll work um but the thing that interested me about the whole of episode seven was when he dove off of appa through the clouds and then when he came back on top of appa and he used airbending to dry himself off i was like oh that's fucking brilliant you know like (laughs) that that again i I think they're doing a lot of fun like What's the less obvious shit you could do with these yeah. skills? Be really I realize cool. like there's a lot of like using your weird elemental powers to dry yourself off, because kind of all of them can do it except for maybe the dirt guys. I think dirt guys stay wet, but like you know you can use fire, you can use air. If you have water, you can just get the water. So the water I guess off. like yeah, yeah, like it's weird. Like you don't really get soaked in the same way, which is why they're much more like willing to just jump into freezing water than. You know, in the real world, that's that's more of a death sentence, especially, yeah. you know, in a pre-industrial world like, you know, this. I don't think they're going to get that deep with reality, but I, I know one of the bigger spoilers I know is that there's going to be a very big, like, someone uses a bending ability in a way that no one thought of, and that's going to be like a, oh, we never considered how deep these powers can go. Without telling you guys what the spoiler is, I know it's coming, so I think they're going to do a lot of those in a lot of smaller ways, too, of like, Oh, I wouldn't have realized that like firebenders could like do this or that, and I don't know. I think we're gonna see that with all the different bendings. That was one of the things I was and hoping there. that I w- we were gonna see this episode because of the spoilers that I ruined for you guys last week with uh, the the girl or the first episode maybe. Um, with uh, I know that there's the blind earthbender. Yeah, you were saying something about that. And I'm guessing that like like oh say oh so here's these earthbending troops like commandos essentially. And they've captured someone. Passing say they're going to go there, and now I'll finally get to see this blind girl, who is going to be a badass. And it didn't happen. And I was, Bleh. yeah, I will say I was a little disappointed. Uh, 
with that cloud scene because they kind of made a little bit of a point that oh clouds are made of water and and my brain goes to oh that's a water bending thing we can possibly see and later on in the second part when they're getting fired at i really thought the clouds were going to come into play but they didn't i was wondering why he didn't just raise up a higher in the first place like it's like why was that not the first thing you thought of uh, yeah i have a lot of questions about stuff in the beginning of episode eight but like yeah the thing that was i'm i'm, I'm still not clear like what the tech level of this world is and uh I don't. I, it's clearly fairly feudal, do medieval. We, do we ever get the name of the planet? I, I, I still don't think we know what the place no. is called. No, I, you'll know if they know. I almost think it doesn't matter, and they probably won't yeah. cover it. I kind of hope they don't. I think another really big thing we got in episode seven was, uh, you know, up until now it's always been bad, bad Fire Kingdom, and you know, they're everyone's being oppressed by the Fire Kingdom, which I think they're definitely the main aggressors. But we saw those era the earthbending commandos and like earth clearly aren't totally innocent good guys either that like crushes hands oh thing yeah with Iroh, i was like oh yeah you're not just like poor little subjugated good guys like it's, it's definitely pushing into a greater narrative of like you know ambiguity and and i also think that clearly the earth kingdom is the second most powerful after air fire and i think we're gonna see I a lot of don't yeah well that, no, that, i that, they also talked a lot about a siege that lasted 600 days, which he was pretty flippant about. Right. But sieges are terrible things. People die horribly. So that was kind of an interesting reveal about uh, Iroh. I almost, I almost feel like I got like um, post-Vietnam vibes from Iroh in a sense, where he went that full, like, I got to bury it all down and become this peaceful person kind of kind of attitude about, about that siege, specifically even. Yeah. Iroh's like Colonel Curzon. That's right, Kurtz. That's a different guy. No, uh, I definitely got some kind of like that same type of vibe from Iroh, but I, I felt like there was one part where um, when he fell off the back of the the chocobos on purpose. Oh yeah, the horse, um, the horse yeah. birds. Those are chocobos. I don't care. I love them. Um, we've all played. They're joust ostriches. Yeah, um, or Gen X. Own it. Wait, is this a Final Fantasy reference? Yes. Yes. I actually haven't played it, but uh, okay. I, I've heard the term chocobo. So. Yeah, so you, it's a joust ostrich. Know, yeah, um, but uh, like he gave this the it was the first time you ever see Uncle Iroh look anything other than peaceful. Like when he like smiles and grins, like the angle that he looks at the camera and the way he smiles, like it's heavily browed. So it looks like it's furrowed, and he's smiling, and he's like, "Oh, he's also a badass." Okay, um, right. He's he's crafty. He came up with some mm -hmm. pretty unique ways to escape. You know, like burning the chains and deception and all that and dropping like, the flip-flops he's got so that I have side another to question him. about that actually because like yeah the, i think the most interesting thing you know in this one like as much as i like that weird creature i, I think the most interesting storyline here was definitely you know following you know iroh and zuko and their whole thing was that you know and and his idea of like leaving the the sandal behind was pretty clever uh but where are the fire troopers again like why I don't understand like what Zuko's relationship with his stormtroopers are, how many of them he has. That's actually something they... I was going to specifically ask you guys, and this is a good lead in. Is so if if uh, he is the exiled prince Zuko, then mm -hmm. yeah, are those troopers loyal to Zuko for some reason? And will we find out, or are they loyal to Iroh? So are they only going along because Iroh brought them with? 
Or are they just never going to address that and we just assume that he just has troops and they do what he says? But, like, you'd think he'd be out there alone because he's exiled. Like, these guys must be helping an exile, so they're kind of exiled, too. That's a big deal for a soldier. Yeah, but the the thing is, Josh, is that, like, in uh, the last episode, or maybe the second episode or third episode, when he gets, like, essentially captured um, by the Fire Nation when he has to fix his ship, um, his soldiers roll over on him like no one they, you know they say like oh yeah you know we interviewed the the crew and they said that they'd seen the avatar like none of them stick up for them um but then why are they like zuko why are they taking his commands and on his ship probably and... because of uh uncle iroh i was thinking that it would be like iroh kind of told these guys like i mean it makes sense right i think and actually this is a bit of a prediction is i think that again iroh's attitude and everything is much more on purpose. I think we're going to learn that like Iroh was a badass general, clearly, but some major event chilled him out. And I think that when he was probably either trying to chill out Zuko and it failed or when Zuko had his big blowout that burned his eye and whatever made him be exiled. And I'm sure those are all linked into one story. Uh, whenever that happened, I think we're going to find that Iroh was like, yeah, this guy is going to like, pardon the pun, flame out hard and probably cause a lot of damage. And he could actually be the, like the savior of our nation. So I'm going to grab some of my troops and hang out with Zuko and hopefully put him on the right path and probably realizes that that's a long, hard thing for him to do. So he has to be super patient and deal with Zuko's crap attitude for a very long time. But I think that's going to be a very planned thing that he's going to be like, the reason I came with you is because I didn't want to just leave you out in the world exiled because you'd probably hurt yourself and a bunch of people. But if I helped you, you could come around and be like the savior of the Fire Nation or something. I, I, I mean, like it's obvious so, that like he's the the moral center of the of the show. Oh you know, yeah, he's, at least of Zuko. He's like, gonna be. He's gonna no. I mean, of, of the the show. Like I guarantee. I call it now before end of book three. That yeah, just based on the memes alone, you can tell that that's where that's like coming. he's gonna help. Like even uh, the, the Avatar, he's gonna help everybody. You know, like he's right. It, he's gonna help redeem everybody so like you know what they say about uncle iroh uh he may not have been your father but he was your daddy <laughs> Jesus. Wept. yeah that feels like that's kind of like afraid yeah i'm just talking like you know like like story aside like just in terms of sheer logistics that whole scene that dan was talking about where he's like looking at the avatar and looking at like iroh and like which one am i going to follow and it's like i seem to remember you had access to at least six stormtroopers why not have them follow and you do the other like, and I don't, you know, or like take some with you and have like the bulk of the rest. Like, but he's just on his own for that, for a reason that's never really explained. I mean, honestly, again, going back to the Floney thing, although it looks like Floney didn't write or direct any of these episodes. It's something I see a lot in Clone Wars that's annoyed me at times. And I think it just comes down to the target audience is generally teenagers or preteens. Um, although, you know, Clone Wars got pretty deep at times. Uh, is that they kind of do this thing where like there's times when they would have a bunch of stormtroopers that could like do all this stuff. And then all of a sudden there'd be other times where it's like Obi-Wan and Anakin are alone, have to figure shit out on their, on their own where a bunch of stormtroopers could have totally helped. And there's times when their Jedi powers, like they can run jump miles at a time and catch up to someone. And there's other times where someone runs away and they're like, how are we going to catch them? So I think this is a bit of like cartoon logic of like, if they need the stormtroopers there, they're there. But if it would hurt the plot, all of a sudden they're not. 
I mean, similarly, something I noticed is that that when the in episode nine, when Ang gets captured by the pirates with that net gun that he like tried to use the airbending on, it's like this guy is the airbender. We've seen him fight Zuko and pull some crazy shit like Pete yeah, said. Where he's yeah, they, over. I, I actually have in my notes that he got captured so right. Yeah, and it's like, it's, sometimes it just comes to the plot where like, yeah, these things vary between... That's what I'm saying. Kids don't ask these questions. Kids aren't like, where are... You know, regardless of being show, a kid show, like, I think at the end sometimes of- you gotta suspend that that uh disbelief with some of the plot just so that you could drive like story moments and character moments because otherwise, when are you gonna put Zuko into a spot to have that character moment? I know... I noticed, you know, small detail that the Fire Nation has some really fast ships to keep up with Appa. Like, I thought that was kind of crazy, mm-hmm. but, you know, then what are they going to do? Like, Appa's just going to, you know, like like Josh was saying earlier, like, he's going to fly higher up into the sky. Or, or, sorry, Sean was saying this, I think. You know, he's going to fly up higher in the sky, and then, you know, what kind of conflict or what kind of challenge is that going to be for, for the story? And that's true of a lot of stories in general. I mean, like, well, let's I've... move on to, like, episode yeah. eight, though, because there's, I feel like a lot more happened in episode eight in terms of, like, really developing mm. the plot. I do want to talk about that cool panda thing, and I totally called that panda thing. I was like... Did you? Yeah. I'm like, right. I wrote it down in my notes. Like, I was like, this thing's a panda bear. And then it was like, oh, look, it's oh, a panda bear. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I sort of that too, again, because it was such a Miyazaki call out. It's like, I knew it was coming because of Miyazaki, I felt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was like, oh, okay, that's a beast that got transformed by anger to, to, yeah, to turn to This that. was definitely a, a very Chinese-inspired uh, town, whereas uh, episodes ago, we were in a, like, a very Japanese-inspired town. So like, I'm kind of following the cultural trends as far as where we are week to week and you know what that's inspired by, which, which I like, because then you could infer things such as that where, oh, hey, this might be like a panda or a yin or a yang type of uh, analogy. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing we're also going to get some of those uh, in there. But okay, let's go on to uh, eight. Uh, I mean, I, I've been kind um, of, in my mind, discussing them together because they were a two-parter, but like, I really liked... Well, can we actually talk about that a second? Wait, why is this a two-parter? Like, it doesn't feel like, you know, every single episode to me has led into the episode that follows it in, um, you know, a, a fairly like, like sequential way. And then they called this one a two-parter and it doesn't feel like they're any more joined together than any other of the previous episodes. I'm not sure why this one's a two-parter. Just because the action stops, like where the action, um stops in episode seven it like stops mid-action it, there's no conclusion whereas all the previous episodes are like for better lack of a better term like monster of the week you know you have them um at the, the last town when zuko showed up with the uh you know and then the, the girls that don't have any bending but they have the fans right and they're kick-ass that episode ends everything is resolved this one he's still running well and that's what i was kind of going to get to is that episode seven was where we in the context context of a monster of the week we learned about this temple he needs to go to and then in episode eight he gets to the temple so the temple was the crux of the two right and like meeting ruko yeah roku roku yeah yeah, that was. I don't know. That Roku. was the bigger Roku. Yeah, Roku. the bigger plot. There was Avatar Roku, and before him, Avatar <laughs> TiVo, and before him, Avatar Laserdisc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like when he said it's Roku, I just was like, I was like, really? Well, I mean, at the time, that uh, was brand new technology. I know. I'm not good with these names. Um, but uh, I, I, I liked the whole like the. So now we've 
we've got a timeline. You know, like episode eight, I loved because they, we've now set a timeline. Mm-hmm. Like he has to get all of these powers under control by summer. Yes. Uh, this is the winter solstice, so he has what, like six months to get it done? And they said they were a couple of weeks away from the Northern Pole, and I was glad they were like, all right, we know how far away it is now. It's a couple of weeks, so we know it's going to be at least a few more episodes before they actually get there. Right, because we don't really know, like, from episode one to current, we don't know how much time has passed. No. Right. But now we have, like, a firm date, winter solstice, that happened, and now... We also you know, says, like, a few weeks ago, the statue's eyes lit up, so we do know how long it's been. We have a rough idea. Yeah. But I mean, before that, there wasn't really like a timeline. You're yeah. like, well, how long were they flying? Right. Three years? They're probably about halfway mm. there from from that timeline, a couple of weeks previous and Two. a couple of weeks oh, good point. Yeah. to go. I, I realize that. There. I think the reason why I like the two-parter and especially Captured eight so there. much is because I really like the overarching plot, I think, much more than like a lot of the personal plot. A lot of the like much more personal character plots, especially with the main three characters, especially with katana or katara and ang are often very kid centric they kind of do the classic stuff uh that i honestly don't like honestly it's the stuff i often don't like about as a bridger is like i'm gonna get super jealous out of nowhere for plot and then be a dick for a while and then immediately be like oh i'm sorry i was a dick but i'll be a dick again next week (laughs) so like on a personal level i'm not caring so much but like i care about the whole like what happened in the hundred years? What's the deal with the avatars? What's the deal with the water bending? Like how much of this has got a greater plan than we even know? Yeah. Like, and like just the cosmology of the world interests me much more. So this was a big episode. Like I, I liked, I liked this one and it also made sense for uh nine that followed. Like, I feel like nine was a good episode to follow it, but like, I just, again, the idea that like, okay, so they used a comet, and that amplified the fire nation's power. Like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like that, that, that that's kind of cool. Like, okay, so we have this heavenly body, and that directly affects the power levels of an entire fucking nation. That was really cool. And is the comet random, or is this some like there's a prophecy around the comet that they knew it was coming? And is it all supernatural? Well, they know it's coming back, so yeah i I would think they knew it was coming the first time they've got some form of astronomy yeah i actually have a just had a bit of a meme watch i don't know if this qualifies for for this episode yeah meme watch so momo i I realize we have a lot of that lemur reveal gag going on where momo was behind the door with the shadows Mm -hmm. and then we had the rock previously so i wonder if they're gonna really run with that oh yeah since we're only what less than 10 episodes in and we got two of them all right so uh, I want to talk about the boats and that whole like thing before we get into the cosmology and stuff. The the, the big running the blockade yeah, scene, the, the blockade running the because uh... um, I have a lot of questions about boats. The, the Trade Federation, I love that. <laughs> okay, what are your questions? Why catapults? Like it, it, it just that that I, I was normally I can sort of let stuff slide, but like everything about that, I'm like, wait, don't you guys control fire? And aren't these steamships? So you invented steamships before you invented guns. You don't have guns. You do have catapults because you need to get fire to go further somehow. It seems like everybody else's boats, like we learned in the last in the next episode, everybody else uses wooden boats. Uh, the Fire Nation would have complete domination over the entirety of anybody else's navy if they're all using wooden boats. And yet they're like, we're going to have catapults so we could launch stuff. Like, I'm just so confused about that choice. Like everything about is. I think 
I think you're thinking like an adult a bit too much there. Yeah. And I think there will be a plot point at some point where they're using those catapults and the Earth Nation's going to be like, oh, you're throwing rocks at us? Yeah, that's cool. smart. Yeah, sure. Here, you take But those. once again, you yeah, like, why would you do that? Like, you control phone, like, have just big okay. blowtorches on the sure. front of the ship. Oh, go ahead, Pete. Uh, I just have one question about that, because they make a big deal of, A, not telling us what those rocks are, but also letting us know that they smell horribly so are they literally just compacting shit and then (laughs) setting that on fire like because everyone is talking about how bad it smells oh it's sulfur what was that not clear i i i I assume that yeah it was sulfur yeah and they coat it they're coated in gas or something which probably smells bad too or yeah gas or oil or fat or whatever i you know they don't say it outright like instead of saying like oh these are this is sulfur listen they they don't say a lot in the show kind of outright which is which I think is good. Like going to the you know to the why don't they use something other than you know catapults? We kind of I I don't know how prevalent gunpowder is in this universe because the you know uh, Sokka does come up with that plan to open the door and he uses the gunpowder. Yeah, so they do have gunpowder. That's definitely a thing. I don't know if they've ever thought of like to use it as a projectile or like I'm lean- I don't know what the I'm deal le- is I'm- basically. Oh wait. Oh no, they don't have gunpowder. What did he, he said? Use? It was animal fat, right? Yeah, he, he said he put animal fat in the like little the, bags. To, uh, that's what it was. It wasn't gunpowder. Oh. I still think a lot of this is going to lean on the like you're thinking like an adult who can figure yeah. out these levels of like tactics, and I think it's going to be much more of a this is a kids show, and they just if they show it to you, that's the way the world is, and assume there's a reason. Well, like yeah, a hundred percent that. But I'm also thinking of like I, I grew up reading comic books, and um, the Stanley Prize in Marvel comic books would be when yep there was something that made no sense stanley would just basically go like okay you guys figure out oh right i forgot about that oh the no prize yeah it wasn't enough to point it out and i thought that was brilliant it wasn't enough to point it out you also had to explain yeah (laughs) you fix our (laughs) fuck-ups yeah exactly it's genius yeah and then this is why i was thinking like because technically gunpowder again we've talked about this last week um uh, gunpowder is technically metal um, you know, like is from the earth, same with sulfur. So like theoretically the, mm. uh, earth nation could use that against the fire nation, which was why I was convinced it was just compacted shit. Like, because the earth nation can't use compacted shit, shit mud against no, poop. Yeah, mud like, they could use. I mean, we wouldn't be in a, like a really great, a really great, like kind of transition period here where, you know, the, the, um, not the avatars, the, the benders are going to develop their skills later on and i think we all kind of got some idea of that and then maybe even the technology is going to develop over time it'd be kind of like a a bit of like a middle ages you know technology is emerging type of situation where we might see gunpowder by you know the end of yeah, season I would, three or i would or think their best bet the would just be each of these boats have like a giant brazier on the front of it with like a huge bonfire because that's what their soldiers use, right? So we could just direct that fire wherever we yeah. need it to go. I feel like there's it's limited to a degree, but Let's see, like as opposed to like sort of the hope for the best with a catapult thing that they were. Yeah, doing. but they have a limited range because like they only shoot like a couple feet. It took Zuko and Uncle Iroh to like kick together to get it to go like a hundred yards after Appa, and then so this time Appa's even further away and higher up, so they can't just. All right, everyone, let's hold hands and. Do you know rocket kick? Well, something I also I liked oh. I liked an eight that we learned from Ruko or I get his name again the the Avatar guy Roku Roku um, is that uh, TiVo yeah is there's definitely like vastly varying 
degrees of like skill in bending. Like we're watching Katara in episode nine, like keep working on her water bending and getting predictably annoyed at Aang in a, I I didn't like nine as much before we get into that. I just, especially after the two parter, I was like, finally world cosmology. And then it got all small again. And I was like, God damn it. Um, but, uh, I feel like, uh, Roku like was doing crazy, like from the grave, like launched, like created a fucking, uh, eruption from a volcano. Yeah. So clearly like you see, there's like, you know, it doesn't just go from like white to black belt or at least it does but like these are very big jumps between the belts and a black belt is like earth shattering and a white belt can like yeah flick water around a little bit and we're really seeing that well i also really liked actually talking to uh roku because so far the fire nation has only been painted as dickheads like yeah they're only bad guys no redeeming quality i love the monk the good monk was really great for that reason too right yeah the good monk but it's also like oh okay so i was mm-hmm. i expected this avatar to be the one who was like yeah no you go ahead let's let's kill everybody let's make sure that we run the world and he was like yeah no you got to fix this you only have six months to fix this well, you got to fix we it. know I, that i, I like that so we know much. that was zuko's dad's what grandfather i think they said because it was many generations yes there's a lot of generations for a hundred years usually there'd only be like three but we're not going to go into that the numbers but like we know that like the fire lord it's like pre-industrial the fire people die the fire lord during the time that ang like got in the iceberg a hundred years ago uh they mentioned basically that he uh went against the the fire avatar and that's clearly going to be a big deal that like the fire avatar went away and was like, there's going to be a new avatar and set up this temple and prepare for him. And pretty quickly, we know that a fire Lord showed up and was like, fuck that. I am just going to take over the world. I don't give a shit about the avatar prophecy to the point of where his monks, which also is weirdly, I think keeping with some modern political shit. We're like, yeah, we know we've believed this one thing forever, but like, yeah, we'll follow the fire Lord and just use our powers for the fire kingdom and not for the avatar. Like we're supposed to. And I think that's going to become a big deal later that like they're going against the prophecy of the whole world to just dominate it. And that's usually doesn't go well in these kind of shows. Is that something any of you find a little odd? Uh, I'm surprised we haven't had a storyline yet where anyone said, oh, this is the Avatar. I, I may or may not believe that, but you're a child. Like, why should I care? Like, it's really kind of interesting that everybody really has this trust in in him as the Avatar, even as a child, like, right away. They're just like, come, help us, we know you'll do it for us. Yeah, I feel like they think they're talking to every Avatar. Right. I don't know, the guy in Episode 7... That's the gist I got. It's one thing I didn't like in Episode 7, but I think, it's again, this was something they just pushed out of the way because the plot had to happen. But the head of that city seemed or town seemed very blase about hey are you the avatar yeah okay cool can you help us with this thing instead of like holy crap the <laughs> avatar's back right. why are you a kid he's just like Again, can you sweep up our problem? i might be over reading this is that the idea is that you know the avatar shows up and again i think a lot of these towns are like not in touch with the rest of the world so it's like a very like oh well of course yeah i guess it's been another hundred years like you know they're pretty isolated so this guy shows up and they've got legends of this guy showing up and solving stuff. And he can, this is my thought is that in the legends, you're not talking to the one guy, you're talking to all of his ancestors. But I thought that the so, avatar, normally there's always an avatar. I thought he just solves, but stuff. I thought the idea of the yeah, avatar yeah. being gone for hundred years, that's a weird thing that like is part of what's messed up the world. And I think that's a big deal that they'd be like, why haven't we heard from the avatar? And now he's here. I think that, yeah, well, I think that like part of that is that, 
the avatar like the the everyone knows that there's always an avatar and that it follows a set order right so the last one was fire so the next one has to be air and then who do the firebenders while this guy is supposed to be like still a kid who's the first nation that the the firebenders take out air the airbenders and so all Mm. of a sudden they see somebody doing airbending because appa is so far the only appa we've seen we've seen you know like other creatures but we've not seen another air bison um, and then, mm-hmm. so they see someone riding an air bison with a fucking blue tattoo on his forehead, and they're like, oh, okay, you're an airbender, you're the last one, you, therefore, A plus B equals C. Right. You know. All of that is very plausible, and, like, I could follow that. I could definitely track that, you know, to being a thing that characters in the universe would conclude. Uh, I, want, I really hope we do get an episode in the future where maybe someone questions that a bit. Um, same. Wait, I got a big question now, actually. Pete, you made me think of something. I had made a note about the fact that uh, Roku had his, like, spirit animal, or whatever they called it, spirit guide, was a dragon. I made a note about that, and too. And right. Aang yeah. has the bison. And I was thinking that right. my first thought was, like, oh, Aang having, like, this chill bison versus, like, a badass dragon is going to say a lot about his personality and his character. But now my question is, is it that every airbender always has a bison and every firebender has a dragon? Is that going to be a thing? And are we going to see more of that tie-in? Yeah, that was right. the gist I got. Yeah, because they, they specifically said spirit animal. So I don't know. You know, that I wrote that note down, too. I was like, ooh. What does this mean? But I, I do think that's going to say something like, oh, you got like a chill bison and not a dragon or a hawk or a bear. Like, that says a lot about Aang, right? I feel like it could say a lot about Aang, and it definitely seems to be correlated with whatever element the Avatar currently is, you know, correlated with. I'm sure, like, if it's an Earth Kingdom thing, it's going to be something that's big and bulky. And if it's, you know, a water uh, bending type of thing, you know, when. When, when and if we ever see any other incarnations of it, we know it'll be like a sea creature or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, there was that big uh, sea creature in episode three, I think it was, two or three. I wonder if that was going to be the water avatar's spirit creature. Again, because Roku's avatar spirit animal was a dragon, and then in episode four, we see Zuko praying to what looks like that same dragon face. Oh, yeah, the Aku yeah, right. thing. In front of the candles. Again, we're nerds dissecting this, but so I want to steer it. I want to steer it towards episode nine because we we haven't really talked about that one very much. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Speaking of uh, Zuko, what is this mutiny? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I got a kick out of that part. It was just kind of run up to the top of the ship. Why did we turn course? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Like that's his way of saying he's <laughs> such a little prick. Uh, like he's so fired up, and I think <laughs> I find up. that amusing sometimes. Even though he's he could be a dick, it's just kind of like, ah, what's this small thing? It irritates me. And then he like does kind of chill out immediately. Yeah, after, he's a prince, right? You know, he probably grew up that way. Uh, but my favorite thing about episode nine so far, uh, which was the, I think my favorite thing Iroh has done yet, was at the very end when they were kind of doing the "I'm sorry, it's my fault." No, I'm sorry, it's my fault. No, I'm sorry, it's my fault. When like the characters realized the thing that they shouldn't have done in the first fucking place, it was super obvious to anyone who's not thirteen. Um, was the fact that uh, Katara was like, "No, no, no, it's my fault," and then like. Ang was like, no, it wasn't. And then Iroh was like, it kind of was. <laughs> was like, Thank you. It was her fault. <laughs> I, like, come on. I thought you were talking about, like, I loved at the very end when Iroh pulled out that, like, piece, the White Lotus piece that he was looking for, because it was inside his sleeve the entire time. I also feel like. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Uh, we've all played 
video games where they try to do like the game within right. a game. You know, like the Star Wars universe, they try to get you to play uh, the card game. Sabak. Yeah, play, try to play Sabak. Um, in Witcher, they make you try to play another game. And there's clearly this other game within Avatar that's going to be like chess. But I also feel like, because obviously they're laying the foundation, that that chess piece, the White Lotus thing, that has... That's going to be important? That's just foreshadowing. Like, Yeah, that's that's going to come up. He mentioned it, it, it. Most people don't use it, but it's very intrinsic in his uh, his strategy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's this game looks like a weird mix of like Go and Mahjong, right. which might be a very specific call out to Japan and China. So Yeah, the, the Lotus, by the way, is, is Zuko, right? Like, we're all clear on no, that. No, that kind of makes sense, I think. I don't know about that. I'm a little unsure because this be? episode also told us, like, not everything's a problem. Verb. <laughs> so I don't I don't know. Now they're kind of blending it and making us question. But then it turned out to be a proverb. Right. He turned it into one. That was the whole thing, right? He's like So that may, but I, I get yeah, your point where everything can become he said a, a lot of people don't use it, but it's intrinsic in my strategy, and I think that's his way of saying that like a lot of people have written off Zuko, but I think he's the key to saving the Fire Nation. I think that's ah, kind of okay. A that's big a good subtext. point. Yeah, that's uh, that was what I got out of that. See, I, I did a secret society thing because we've already seen like a hint of a secret society with the girls with the fans. I thought they were just like a warrior class in that mm-hmm. town. Well, yeah, but again, I, I I feel like the White Lotus. It's, it's something that not everyone has, so it's not like if you go buy this game, you have to do it like only certain people have the White Lotus piece. All right, here's the thing about the the Lotus, right? And I feel like again, they could not have telegraphed this harder. First of all, it indicates Iroh's a motherfucker. Because he was clearly cheap. <laughs> There's no reason to have it in your sleeve, right? He's an asshole. He was cheating the whole time and forgot that he was cheating. But also, up his sleeve, you know, what's he got up his sleeve? Oh, he's got Zuko. Like, so that's, I think, what, you know, like, it sort of indicates and telegraphs his entire plan. It's a good screenwriter take on things for sure. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I see, I took that a step, I guess, a step further in that, like, because... Zuko got banished. Why did this Fire Lord's brother, he's not banished. Why did he leave with him? There's got to be, like, because he, and he also very, you're right, he very clearly has Zuko to save the Fire Nation. Um, and so he's got to have a group or something, which might explain the whole, like, Stormtrooper thing. Oh, I think it just became clear. All right, I got it. You see what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure I understand. Say what you're going to say, and then I have a prediction. Here's what it is, uh, is that... Um, Zuko has some sort of, you know, he's got the immediate claim to the throne, something that even Iroh can't really get into. Like he wasn't the firstborn son or whatever sort of thing that it has to be. I don't think that's it, but I think it's something like that. It has to be like some sort of direct descendant and it has to be the firstborn or something like that. So Zuko even being banished is the firstborn has to do this. So Iroh is slowly sort of molding what he knows is going to be the next in line to run the nation like yeah definitely while everybody else has written him off yeah i mean my big prediction uh, on on that front as well is i think we're going to learn that there's going to be a scene where iroh and his brother zuko's dad have an argument Mm -hmm. and like about Zuko, where like his, I think his dad is the one who burned him, uh, Zuko. 100%. And 100%. I think that he like got in a fight with his dad. His dad burned his ass and was like, You're weak. Get the fuck out. You don't deserve my throne. And Iroh was going to walk up and be like, You're being a bit too harsh and you don't understand how important this kid is. And if you just piss him off and lose him on the world, he's going to ruin you and everything. And he's like, Nah, my kid sucks. Fuck him. And Iroh was like, you know, and I'm not going to apologize. So Ira was like, all right, well, now I have to go watch your kid. So I'm going to go take some of my troops, go on a boat with him and keep an eye on him because you're being an asshole. Like, I think we're going to see that conversation. 
Do you think it's going to be a flashback, or do you think it's going to be like a present day? Oh, where like the the father, like the head of the Fire Nation, would be like, Iroh, what the hell are you doing here? He's going to be like, I'm keeping an eye on your kid because you fucking just yeah, let I mean, him be. It, it's very clear that they're going to see each other. I actually have a, a thought or a theory, whatever you want to pose, that uh, that that confrontation, that reckoning, is going to be Uncle Iroh in present day coming back and seeing his brother and that might even end in Iroh's death and that might be something that pushes Zuko into full I gotta do something and better myself and take charge kind of mode and grow up and not be a little kid anymore that might be his Uncle Ben moment Mm. it could be I feel like if anyone's gonna die it would kind of make sense for it to be Iroh but I've seen enough memes of Iroh uh, that make me know something is gonna happen uh, oh yeah, I've avoided that so far. No, there's memes of Obi Wan Kenobi too, so it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean he's. But safe. I've seen a bunch of memes of uh, well, no, but I mean I've seen a bunch of uh, memes of Iroh that I know at least to a degree where things are going to go with him, and he could die after that. But he's just again, he I think he's even more chill than we know, and he's playing a bit more chess than they've showed, as we all seem to agree. Yeah. Mm. All right. Um. So. So that. What? What? Is, oh, go ahead. What is, no, no, no. You, you, I was going to move on, but if you have more stuff on... Oh, no, I was I was going to move on, too. I was going to move on to Pirates. I don't know if you're going to move on to Pirates. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, let's talk about Pirates. I have some That's, pirate That questions. pirate has some bad business skills, I tell you. You know, he... Uh, yes. Like, oh, I got this for free. You know, I'm going to charge you 200 gold for it. Like, never tell them what you got it for. Yeah. <laughs> well, because either you're, you're saying it's worthless or you're saying you stole it. Well, I feel like that was his attempt to intimidate them. I guess, but it's like... you. Yeah, he was, he was sort of letting slip that he was a pirate. He was trying to be intimidating. I got it for free because I killed the guy that had it. I guess that Which could means work. That, like, I shouldn't feel bad about stealing it from you. Like, that's one way of looking at that. It's like, oh, so if you stole it, I'll steal it and no harm, no foul. I think, well, that's where we I got. think that's definitely how Katara took yeah, it. Yeah, that's... I mean, like, she definitely was like... By it. the end of the episode, yeah, this guy sucks. stealing's okay, yeah. kids. Like, that's where we ended. <laughs> I I actually yeah. like that. I like that because in the context of this world, yeah, I get that that's not a lesson you really want to give kids. But in the context of this world, she was totally in the right. It's like we have the Avatar who's going to save the world. The world is in peril. This scroll could help. This guy is a douchebag pirate. So like, why would you not? It, it, I almost would have been much more annoyed and would have expected it to be one of those things where she wants to steal it or. Where sorry, Soka would want to steal it, and Katara would be like, "No, because stealing's wrong." And I'm glad they didn't go that mm-hmm. route. That she's just like, yeah. "Oh yeah, this guy sucks. I'm going to steal this thing because we need it, and he doesn't." Yeah. Oh, unrelated to to that kind of stuff, because I think you guys hit that right on the head. Is one of the things that I thought was really cool was the way the pirate boss was fighting, the way he like held the sword, you know, like and everything when he was fighting Zuko towards the end of the episode. Right. It yeah. Felt very much like mm. a, a Shaw Brothers like choreographed uh, fight scene. Yeah, I can't yeah, recall no. any move in particular, but I think that I also noticed again. I can't remember a move in particular, but like it felt like the pirates were fighting mm-hmm. in a way that they have fought benders in the past, and they knew how to do certain moves to like quickly nullify benders because like they don't have bending abilities themselves. And I thought that was really. I, cool. I love that they weren't afraid to fight benders. You know, like they see the firebender, they're like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they've done it before, and they know how to handle them. Yeah, yeah, really. Honestly, that yeah, been that, that subverted my expectation. I really was going in thinking, "Oh yeah, they're shitty pirates. They're foot soldiers. They're gonna they're all gonna slap swords together." And then they did a lot more with it than I really would have thought for like what I see as like a side 
cut of scene, side cut of fight scene. It wasn't one of the highlighted, you know, one-on-one scenes that we've seen previously. Two examples I can think of right now that did come up is one, uh, they seem to keep going for hands because they realize that like the bending does require certain martial art movements. And if you can restrict those, they can't really bend or at least not as well. Yep. And the smoke bombs are also smart because they were like, yeah, you can fire bend all you want or yeah. bend whatever. But like, if you can't see what you're doing, you it, it's not as useful. And I love that scene where I was like, wait, why doesn't Aang just blow all the smoke away? And he does, and then sees he's surrounded by enemies, and was like, crap, and then pulls all the smoke back in. And I was like, that was cool. That was like, oh, yeah. you're airbending. You thought mm-hmm. you were so smart, but like, it's these pirates are used to this against you. The pirates yeah. are clearly trained in fighting in the smoke, so they're better at it than, yeah. you know, anyone else. Mm, yeah. There were two things that I loved about the pirate fight. Uh, well, no, I, it was, I, I got like a question about pirates as well. Uh, and this is a very important question for the group why we haven't seen this before in any other group the pirates don't seem to represent any one nation they clearly have been pulled in from everywhere right in that very piratical way if you can swing a sword we'll take you why do all the pirates have like full kissable lips what's that about i that's because pirates pirates are sexy man what are you gonna do yeah i have just sexy pirates i want to say that's that's pulled from somewhere culturally but i'm not 100 percent sure kind of reminded me of the like old pirates of the caribbean like right robots from the ride like back in like you know the the like late 70s or like when they first built it i kind of remember they all had like that kind of like weird like overpronounced lips i think so you could see that the mouths were moving and i guess maybe that just became pirate shorthand somehow but like it's fascinating right and, like because i saw like they had like they all had like these sexy mouths and i'm like Okay, these guys are weird. Oh, they're pirates. I guess sexy mouth means pirate. Wow. Okay, maybe that gets to the base of it. I just... Uh. <laughs> I don't it know if really this uh, confused any of you, but uh, it, like when uh, Aang initially got captured by the pirates, it looked like the two the two guys who caught him were like uh, water tribe members like the, from what they were wearing. So I don't know if that was a thing where like they're trying to show us that oh. they are from all different places and... Maybe that was just an old water tribe uniform or, or you know, clothing. Yeah, they, they, they their boat looked kind of Fire Kingdom because they, they play with color pretty obviously. Right. Blue is water, red is fire, green and yellow are. So, like, it looked like a fire boat. Green is Earth, Earth yeah. An older one, but still a fire boat. Yeah. But, I mean, like, they also made a point of the, the first pirate sees them and goes, you guys look like world travelers. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I also loved that the, that first pirate was, like, questionably yep. feminine and it wasn't a joke yeah and it was it wasn't and, the punchline and still badass right yeah he he was like clearly like the first mate pirate right yeah yeah i would say so i think he had the best line yeah, in the episode possibly in the entire series it's just such a great moment when like his buddy throws uh soka into the sail and for no reason the camera just stays on him and he's like nice and then it cuts to like the rest of the fight did you catch that it was so yeah. great he just had that moment like nice one and then like goes on <laughs> I, I I did pick up on that. Uh, uh, that's great. That's like coward's float, or you know, and yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the jail episode. Yeah. But it was like so, like not like a like poignant line. It was just yeah. something somebody would say if you saw your friend throw a martial artist into a sail. You'd be like, yeah, good job. All right, <laughs> moving on. Yeah. Let's do some more pirate shit. <laughs> Occasionally, right. they use some traditional like cartoon logic and, and gags, just like the. You know, there's weird sound effects for things like pointing at people and, yeah. you know, doink, 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 doink. stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But also, uh, there's the fact that uh, they do that sometimes, like like I mentioned, 
two episodes ago about like the weird like running background dialogue like the caricature artist that i really liked where he was like oh there's another one of you oh no there's more of you guys when all the girls were coming to screen like i think he was very popeye they just do that little like popeye like yeah there's there's just dialogue continuing on well correct me if i'm wrong are they using less of those sound effects now or am i getting used to it because i felt like the start the of question. episode seven we started on yeah i feel like i heard there's a there's a little bit of like a animation change i don't know if saga had a voice actor change it was like a few things that felt a little different about everything going in i don't know if like that was just what actually happened or if my brain just kind of like settled into all the jokes and the the stuff that was noticeable like from the well, start these episodes weren't dave filoni because i've been paying attention to like the writer and director so maybe that's a change in personnel that that know, just noticing that it. might be it yeah i don't know so uh let's uh let's throw in some little bit of predictions moving forward and then uh i feel like we've done a lot of those but yeah, yeah. there's some more i've got i've got more i, I plan to be yeah. wrong on all of them i just think but like my overall prediction is i was wrong about them getting to the north pretty quick now i feel like we are going to have another three plus episodes getting there to represent those couple of weeks and then they'll get there. Um, but that's really all it is. Like now I'm feeling a bit more like, uh, and I think we're going to keep seeing this like, uh, heavy cosmology episode where we get a lot of big worldview and then a couple more monster of the week, monster week, monster week, heavy cosmology. I think we're going to keep that pace going. Well, how many episodes are there a season? Is it 12? There's like 21 or something. Yeah. All right. So yeah, they can do that pace. Yeah, that, we we got quite that, a few to go. Yeah, if, I thought it was twelve. In which case, I was like, okay, they have to get somewhere fast. I don't know who or or how many of you said this previously, but I'm really I'm gonna sign on to the idea that the power was within you all along because clearly after the the waterbending yeah. scroll episode, it's like, oh, Aang has that power, but just needs to go through the motions and the techniques so i i really i'm gonna sign on to that as far as when we reach the water kingdom he's not learning he's reminding himself right yeah, that right. point real quick i really liked uh katara well I, it was you know her very telegraphed she's gonna have a big jealous blowout thing uh which i found a little annoying i thought ang's line about like well i'm only doing this quick because i have such a great teacher was brilliant oh that was such a nice diffuser slick yeah yeah and Um, i think that actually is important right is that i don't know if he could have just done it on his own it's in him somewhere but her just teaching him then his natural ability could come through so i think he did need her and you know i think having uh soka there as the like here's the non-bending solution to this problem, which got him into the temple, for example. I think that's also important is that they're going to have more lessons. Probably Iroh is going to teach them, like, you can't just bend everything all the time. That can't always be the solution. Speaking of that lesson, and this is, I think, just bad writing, uh, was like, oh, look, our supplies are, are going away down the river. Go get them. Aren't you guys actively learning how to manipulate water right now? Like, that seems like a prime example of a time to try out your new skills and they're like nope they're gone forever fuck it like just immediately write it off well the plot says we have to go shopping i i hate it because it's my least yeah i mean i it, i mean yes it allows it gives them impetus to go shopping and see x y and z it would have been just as easy to say with one line hey uh we've eaten all the food yeah right i i just it's my least favorite part of role-playing games is like oh we need to eat something <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we know that. Can we just skip past that part? Oh, I thought you were gonna mention 
role-playing games where the players are like, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z and always have the solution to the problem. And, you know, you always thwart the DM. <laughs> that was like kind of one of those moments. If you did use waterbending, it's like, oh, you messed up my plot. <laughs> <laughs> but, you but know, I mean, it, as a GM, like I never get that because it's exactly the answer, right? It's like, right. oh, my whole hook was that like the river was going to wash your food away. And then like, no, all you have to do is just, oh, they found the food. All right, fine. Then you adapt. That's the point of being a GM is being like, oh, well, turns out your food is almost gone anyway. So you ha- you're going to have to go shopping. It's not that hard to pivot, you know? Honestly, the I, worst hook you've ever thrown us, Sean, that like always just ruins all of my like plots is when you're like, okay, you guys are in a room. What do you do? And then we're all like... I have no fucking clue. I'm just in a room. Shit. Why are you giving me the reins right now? And then <laughs> yeah. that will stop a game group and their wheels turning. It and does. I feel like yeah. I, I've learned not to do that, not to leave too many options. And I think you do that on purpose. Cause then, cause then when you go to the next, like, okay, a guy walks in, it's like, fuck, we have to deal with this guy right now. And even if before, <laughs> we were doing something else. Deal? Yeah. You just put us in a room and just be like, what do you guys do? Uh, hi, Pete's character, what's up? And it's like, what the fuck do we do right now? Yeah, yeah so. let's um murder the room. <laughs> yeah. uh, Take all their stuff. Uh, all right. You know, that break right, so Sean, the dark. Sean, what's your prediction though? You had to throw a prediction into this. Uh prediction. Uh sleeping prediction. Pain. Uh <laughs> prediction um is uh I think that the end of this season is gonna be that like I think this entire season is gonna be them getting to the North water tribes. I still very strongly believe that the water tribes going to be exactly the same as what they left behind. There's not going to be any teacher there. And the oldest, wisest person is going to be like the magic was in you all along. And that's when I'm guessing what's his name. The bad guy, uh, not Zuko, the, the guy that wants to arrest Zuko, he's going to show up and be like, you better learn some water. Cause I've got a bunch of cannons now or whatever the hell he has. All right. My that's my pr- prediction. My prediction is going to be that it just popped in my head listening to the power within you was all along, blah, blah, blah. But that also that um, Katara is, is teaching Aang is that Zuko is going to teach Aang firebending. Not Iroh. Ooh, I, that's Zuko. a I'm good on board one. That. That's yeah. a good one. I, like I hope that that's true because like that, that requires a pretty big yeah. journey to get from. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I'm curious. Like, I, it's, I feel like this season, yeah. I want to predict that we'll meet Zuko's father. We'll get to the Water Kingdom. Ooh. We'll meet the blind Earthbender. I mean, th- there's still a lot of time and a lot to go, so. but like those are kind of some just real fast kind of predictions. I think we'll all get that out in season one. Huh, I don't know. Because once they meet Zuko's father, I think they're going to quickly realize that like we thought Zuko was a big problem. His father is a much bigger problem than him. I think that's going to be apparent quickly his father made him so i think it's yeah it's going to be obvious where he got all of that like hyper aggressive shit from was his dad well they're having a hard time with zuko but like zuko has just got one ship and a couple of loyal troops even though we don't know what the deal is with that and his uncle whereas his father has an entire (laughs) kingdom his father is clearly a bigger problem yeah 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 Uh, a a at least pseudo industrialized kingdom it's a, it's still the that, biggest that. kingdom in the world, and they're kicking the most ass right now. So his father is the biggest issue. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're 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 very. And very his father dangerous. clearly is even yeah. more so than Zuko does not want the Avatar coming back because we know that he's keeping up this Fire Lord tradition of yeah we don't want the Avatar to be here because without an Avatar we're more powerful, which is why they repurposed the Fire Temple to worship like the Fire Kingdom and not the 
everybody's avatar. Yeah. Avatar. Mm-hmm. Prop propaganda. Yeah. I think they're the most high tech. Oh yeah, of course. Mm. I feel oh, like definitely. you know, I want to say yes and no. I want to say they are they are high tech in a standard mechanical non-bending way, even though they use some bending, but I want to say the Earth Kingdom may be on par but in more of like a nature controlled type of way. All right. Like they're both as industrialized, but in different ways. All right, I'm going to wrap it up with a, a, a point uh, to that point that I think you'll all agree with is I love all the doors that require bending to work. Yes. <laughs> the fire Secret doors, doors yeah. everywhere. Yeah, the doors are cool. Huge we're, we're all on board with the doors. Bending doors are always cool. Yeah, Everybody the air doors. door. Yeah, it's it's. I wonder what a water door looks like. That's what because it doesn't just, like they have. Yeah, wh- why did Boomy even have a key? It's <laughs> <laughs> a big ice block. <laughs> you just you just you just pee into the lock. That and... would be the Soka solution. <laughs> I could pee into it. Urine print identified. Welcome. I mean, you Soka. don't have to touch yeah, it. Yeah, that's <laughs> works. And on that note. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, this that's week. a wrap. And we'll look forward to discussing next week. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Take it easy. <laughs>